0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, of course, we have to say a very good morning back to Stephen Ryan from Dicksonia Rare Plants. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there. I hope you're
2: all awake and listening, and, you know, after all, we got up really early to get here, so the least you can do is listen. And it was
1: dark, <laughs> and it was cold. And it, and it
2: was dark, <laughs> and it was cool when I left this morning, and going through Gisborne, because it's sort of down in a little valley, yep. um, there was all the mist hanging over oh. it, so it's sort of that, dare I say it sort of feels autumnal. Because yep, any minute it's right. going to be thirty-eight, but it's it's going it's going to be it feels <laughs> autumnal at least um, today, and uh, yes, and there's some colour starting to happen. Yep, I've noticed a few um, of Fleming's lipstick maples are starting to turn around my area, and a little bit of colour in some of the Manchurian pears and things like that. So, and I've got a couple of uh, the rare and exquisite Dysanthus sericifolia, a lovely little small tree, large shrub from China, from Japan that, uh, uh, in pots that have gone bright red already. And it's the end of February.
3: I know, I go. know. But,
2: but anyhow, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy for autumn to come on.
4: I've had enough of summer, so let's go. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. We also have to say a very good morning to Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. Hi, Craig. Hi,
4: Pam and listeners. Thank you for having me in here. Oh, pleasure. I've just finished pruning the apple walk at Long Acres, which gives me a great sense of achievement. Oh, wow. (laughs) So how long is it? Um, 20 metres. Yep. That's a lot of apples. It's a lot of apples. Yeah. 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 And um, the best thing is that I just drop the prunings on the ground and come back in a couple of days and the deer have eaten them all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hardly any clean-up. Oh, oh That's well,
3: fantastic.
4: Yeah. Surely they clean up other things you don't want them to clean they up as indeed. well. They do indeed. But on this occasion, they're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I was wondering is if anybody's used the battery-operated secateurs, and are they any good? Yeah, I've never used them either, but I've
2: thought about them often enough because, you know, as we get older, our hands get a little bit crampy right. and, and perhaps yeah. arthritic key, who knows.
4: And when you're doing a major pruning job, mm. it's a lot of cuts.
2: Yeah, it is a lot of cuts. Oh, yeah. So, yes, it probably is worth looking into. I've I've been thinking about it for ages and haven't done anything about it. Likewise. Yeah. So one of us has to leap in.
1: I didn't even know they existed they oh, do yeah. yeah.
3: Wow. And
4: lots, of, lots of different brands well that's the problem too yeah. I mean
2: if there's only one brand you could buy you go alright well that's the one and you yeah. deal with it and it's fine but when you've got choices mm. uh, and if you're going into it without any sort of foreknowledge yeah. uh, it's really hard to make that decision on which ones to buy and you know price isn't always the guide so you know you buy the most expensive ones they're not always going to be the best yeah, no. still uh,
4: still are very expensive but I suspect they're probably quite good yeah, yeah they probably are
2: but, yeah. yeah, so well if you get some, let me know how you get on. If I get some, I'll let you know. And how if get the up. listeners use them. And yeah, we'd be very happy to hear from somebody yeah. who oh, can absolutely. tell us whether they yeah. really like them. Yeah. Um, my big fear is that, you know, I'm clumsy and I've got a feeling that they'd probably take my fingers off pretty easily too. Or you drop them. Or I drop them and break <laughs> them or something, you know, and you yeah. just lost all that money. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I don't Oh, well,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we, we get some feedback. We might We might put that out again Um, In a little while Just allowing for some people Who don't wake up in time For the start of the show, Craig That sounds good (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay Terrific Now we've got a lot of community announcements So we're going to get through uh, As many as we can And Craig First up I did want to mention That uh, Open Gardens Victoria Have got the second day Of an opening of Holly Cottage Garden up in the Dandenongs, and you you know the garden well. I've done
4: quite a lot of work there. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's a really good example of a new garden that's only been in for, you know, the last two or three years, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was basically lawn and a few badly placed trees, Mm -hmm. as you know, as you find in (laughs) these places. (laughs) Yes, let's shove Um, something in. And uh, Yasna's done an enormous amount of planting, um, mostly perennials and Summer flowering plants, so right. it's a blaze of colour at the moment. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, it's listed as being particularly bee friendly, yeah. so they've kept that in mind, obviously. That's
4: right. Yes, and it keeps bees. Yeah. Yep.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and and quite a bit of um edible produce, I gather too. They've got fruit, vegetables. Um, they've created a circular vegetable garden with yeah, wedge shaped right. raised beds. Yeah. Um, so uh, and 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 that means totally organic a
2: square meal. <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, oh, Yeah, lots of mulch. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. No pesticides or fungicides. No. So, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's all opening today. That should day. be the
4: norm these days, though, shouldn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Well, it absolutely. should. It still isn't, but it should. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I'm getting more and more concerned. All our insect populations are declining. Yeah, hmm.
4: and, and uh, I heard the other day that there's a 40% reduction in the number of kookaburras in the last six really? or nine years. Really? No, I, I read that and somewhere, too. And I reckon too. that could be... As a result of pesticides and things Mm. too. Yeah. I mean, I notice with our local population that they're not producing chicks, and I'm wondering if they're just getting older. Right.
1: Mm. Well, that's that's really, really worrying because, heavens above, we've known about pesticides for years. That's right. Nobody's budging. Mm. I mean, agriculture is still just blazing away. Yeah. Um, we've really got to wake up and someone's got to take a very strong stand on this.
4: That's right. And people need to grow things that don't require them.
1: Exactly. I mean, if, if, if it's so dependent on all your chemicals yep. to produce a crop, then for goodness sake, swap crops.
2: Yeah. there's always an alternative out there. People don't think of that. They want to grow something and so they specifically grow it and they don't think about looking outside the square at other things that they could be doing. Exactly. Yes, and I always have this attitude that if something doesn't work one year, instead of blasting with chemicals, um, you eat something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Because there are times where things just fail for one reason or another. I mean, I had the the worst broad bean crop this year that I've ever had in my whole life because the broad beans got infested with a fungus. fungus, And... uh, they just crashed uh, mm. on me. So I think I had one feed out of them and the rest I just chucked in the compost. That's and fine. I thought, well, you know, so be it. Yep. Um, I didn't get many broad beans year. That's just and, the and way it is. And that really
4: extends into the ornamental garden mm. as well. Of course it does. Yes, of course. You know, if something doesn't work or it gets diseased, then, you, you know, it's in the wrong spot mm. or it's, it's unhealthy. Mm. Chuck it out and put mm. something else in. Mm. Yeah, go and see a nice... Local nurseryman,
2: buy something else. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Okay, to get back to Holly Cottage, I must Mm. give out the details because, uh, people, this is the second day of its opening. So, if you haven't planned something to do today, it would be glorious to have a drive up into the Dandenongs. It would be wonderful. So, the address is 19 Monash Avenue in Alinda. It's open 10 a.m. this morning, running through till 4.30. Entry is $8. Children under 18 are free. Students, $5. Now, extras, there will be a sausage sizzle. There will be cakes and tea and coffee. So uh, it sounds like a wonderful day if you've got nothing planned.
4: Yeah, and it's really smack in the middle of a linda. Yep. It's a very short walk from the town centre. Oh, terrific. Yeah, so it's a good spot.
1: Yep, excellent. Okay. Now, uh, also, I have to mention that uh, coming up uh, today is uh, the State Daily Show. Now, Stephen, you know a little bit about this. Yes,
2: yes. uh, um, uh, The secretary's been on to me with... masses of uh, emails and what have you and I talked about it yesterday. Um, It's of course at the Mount Waverley Community Centre. Like all good shows. Yeah like all good (laughs) shows seem to be. Right opposite the uh, railway station so if people want to go by public transport it's an absolutely ideal way of doing it. And days have had something of a resurgence over the last few years and people have become sort of daily Holics again, mm. uh, which is fantastic. I mean, they're great showy summer, autumn flowering perennials. There's a dahlia there for everybody from the tiniest little pompon dahlias up to the great big exhibition dinner plate sized ones. Um, and it's a great opportunity to go out and just see what the diversity of the genus can offer you, um, see what... You know what sort of breeding lines are being followed at the moment, all that sort of stuff. There'll be people there talking about dahlias, so there'll be lots of people out there to give you information on growing them, caring for them, probably even growing them for e- exhibition and so forth if you wish to. There'll be plant sales. There's also um, uh, obviously the uh, mandatory teas and things available. So there's lots out there. I think it's $5 to get in. It is, yes. Yep. $2 and
1: pensioners, children are free.
2: Yep. So, yeah, so this afternoon might be a nice time to go out and look at the world of dahlias. You well, know, it's you amazing, might become obsessed.
4: Yes, it's amazing the um, variation and hardiness mm. between the varieties. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are quite tough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so
2: you know, and the thing with dahlias is that uh, they astound me. I mean, there's literally... Tens of thousands of named cultivars that have been produced over the years, and they've all come from a comparatively small gene pool. That's right. There's only a, a, a tiny number of species that have been used in the breeding, yeah. and so they throw up all sorts of genetic diversity,
4: which is mm. really fascinating. Yeah. And certainly I, I never lift them. Do you lift them? or No, look,
2: them? eventually if they get really heavily crowded or whatever, That's I'll right. dig them up and divide them. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, in our climate day, as long as you're not in a spot that has really heavy clay soils that stay wet and soggy all winter, yeah. um, they can stay in the ground for a long time. Yeah. And so they're, they're reasonably easy care. So you don't have to go through all that rigmarole unless, of course, you're growing them for the show bench. Right, and oh, then yeah. there's <laughs> there's technical technicalities beyond belief to grow that superb flower for the show bench. Yeah. But as garden plants, they're they're fairly easy going. You do, in most cases, need to have some sort of staking available because they just get into full bloom and we'll have a storm or something, and the whole lot will fall over. So, yeah,
4: just give them a chop. Yeah,
2: yeah, they and then, then they come back again. again but again. Again. but um, yeah. yeah, so I think they're great plants. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think there was there was quite a bit of interest when a lot of those hot colours. Mm. Um, were being bred up. Yeah,
2: yeah, and the dark leaves. Yes. Yes, yeah. the dark leaf dahlias were very yeah. popular and I think still are. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, it's, it's one of those things that there's actually two camps because you do have the people who exhibit. And for exhibition, you're looking for something quite different than what you're looking for if you're growing something as a garden plant. Mm. And the breeders who breed for exhibition blooms don't give a damn about whether the plant performs well as a garden plant. They just want that one perfect flower for yep. the show bench. And often... It's the intricate um, mixed-coloured things that catch the judge's eye because they're sitting up on a bench. Yeah. But days do really strong, clean, primary colours so well. Mm. Uh, it's a shame not to use those really clear colours because there's not many other flowers that you can get that are brilliant yellow and vibrant red and That's right. you know, yeah. bright orange, mm. You know, those really, really, oh, really strong fabulous. colours. Yeah. So I think they're a wonderful asset in the garden. Mm. Right. And lots of food. Yes. Oh, yes. Feed them up well. Yeah. Um, give them adequate water in the summer because they don't perform well. If the ground gets really dry, they start going backwards. Um, but, you know, I mean, you've got to water your tomatoes too. So, yeah. you know, you treat your day a bit like you would a tomato, I guess. Yeah. If you do that,
4: you should Fair have enough. no problems.
1: Okay. Well, the show opens this morning at 10am, runs through to 3.30. So, um, don't dilly-dally in getting out there. Yes, yes,
4: yeah,
2: <laughs> yes, they'll want to pack up and go home. They will, uh, but yes. But, uh, yeah, I think specialist societies are fascinating groups of people. They you know, they can often be completely and utterly blinkered to everything else <laughs> in life, but they're passionate about what they do, and they do it really well. So if you want to learn about a group of plants, the best place to go is to a specialist society and find out what they're up to.
4: That's right, and, and to pick their brains about yep. which, which variety is going to do the best mm, for you. Yeah. Exactly. You know? yeah. Well,
1: talking about specialist societies also, on today, the Melbourne Begonia Society oh, show another is on group today. Of yes, absolutely. On. Now this is being held at the NG Wishart Senior Citizens Hall. This is at 964 Napier Highway in Moorabbin. Uh, it's only on today, 10am through till 3. There'll be display and sales of begonias, many varieties only available at the show. Um, entry is five dollars. Devonshire tea and sausage sizzle available.
4: It's just become my latest obsession. I've started collecting them Yeah. All right. as, as a way of dealing with this indoor plant craze. Yes, everybody's oh, yes. in there. Yeah. Yes, everybody. Decided, they come into my nursery and they're and yeah. they're looking for indoor plants every I've second. I've decided person. I'm going to do one genus. Yeah. And okay. Get a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a good idea. And, of course, begonias could keep you occupied for the rest of your life.
4: And more. (laughs) And more, yes.
2: There are so many. So many of them.
4: And they come from all over the world. It's amazing. And, you know, a little while ago, this is what set me going on them. I did a garden in Glen Iris. And... In an east facing position under the eaves, everything was dead mm. except begonia maculata. Okay, and there it was looking fantastic mm. in driest, dustiest yep. soil. Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, oh, they can be an amazing group of plants. Yeah. Oh. And uh, yes, you could get ke- uh, there's, there's some begonia group that works on Twitter or Facebook or something, and they and a lot of images keep. Sh- sort of arriving, sort of begonia of the week. And yeah. They're finding new species in Borneo and all yeah. over the place all yeah. the time. It's a really fascinating group of plants.
1: And some of them make a fantastic display in hanging baskets. Mm. I mean, we've seen them overseas in France, Stephen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes,
4: very popular in Europe as, yes. uh, as container plants yes. for colour. Mm.
1: Fantastic. And
4: they don't like too much water. No. Perfect.
1: Yes, it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, another specialist group of plants you can go and visit today.
1: Wonderful. Okay, so moving on, um, Cranbourne Gardens have got the public cooling house, well it's actually arrived, um, it's, it's been set up there from the 23rd through to the 25th of February, so it'll be there tomorrow as well, and in conjunction with this, they're um, having some uh, talks, and uh, some of those talks are on today, and some of them are on tomorrow. Now. Um, On today, let me see, Sunday, they have a talk at 12.30 and at 2 o'clock and it's our good friend John Arnott and he's talking about conservation through cultivation. Uh, Australia's most threatened and precious native plants need our help if they're to survive current and future environmental challenges. So uh, you can hear all about uh, that with John's talk, 12.30 and 2 o'clock today down at Cranbourne. Then tomorrow, uh, Chris Russell at 12.30 is talking about greening the city. And uh, then at 2 o'clock, Jacoby, uh, who's the uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria Aboriginal Programs Facilitator, will be sharing his passion for his volunteer work with SEED, a movement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people who campaigned for climate justice in collaboration with the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. So that talk will be at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So that's all taking place down at uh, Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Now, uh, also coming up, um Now, this is being run by uh, friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens. They've got a, uh, a talk coming up. Their guest speaker will be Beth Ross. And uh, this will be on Monday 25th, which is tomorrow, of course, at Geelong Botanic Ge- uh, Garden meeting room. And she's talking on indigenous plants of the Bellarine. Now, it starts at 5.30 for a 6.30 start. Uh, so uh, as I said uh, it'll be held in the meeting room cost $5 for members of the friends group $10 for non-members and uh, payments can be taken on the night so uh, that sounds like um, a really wonderful talk Um, and uh, Beth has been uh, uh, quite uh, active as a member of the Bellarine Landcare group she works with three local friends of groups and provides free consultation with Parks Victoria. She also has a small seed collecting contract with Australian Ecosystems. And uh, she'll cover her role in the Bellar- Bellarine Landcare Group, uh, the Bellarine Secondary College Landcare Nursery, and discuss some examples of local wildflowers and their special significance. Uh, now, uh, Open Gardens Victoria. For uh, next weekend, 2nd and 3rd of March, uh, the garden that's going to be opening is Karen Sutherland's um, own personal garden, Gunya. And uh, this is a very ultra-productive garden in Pascoe Vale South. Um, virtually every available surface uh, has been transformed into growing space for productive and edible plants, yet it's um, a very beautiful cottage-style garden and uh, Karen first started creating this from scratch about 25 years ago and it boasts more than 200 edible and useful plants displayed in an ornamental setting. Um, It covers herbs, vegetables, vines, citrus, fruit and nut trees, South American edible species and Australian native food plants. So uh, Karen will also be giving talks about the garden on both days and uh, as well as that, there will be sales of rare edible plants. Karen's honey will be on sale, and there'll also be signed copies of Karen's new co authored book, Tomato No Grow, uh, No So Grow and Feet. <laughs> there oh, we the, go. Uh, that's so, a bit um, Dr.
2: Seuss, that title, isn't it? It <laughs> is, it is.
1: The Moreland Community Gardeners are also going to be having a stall of food and drinks made with garden produce. So the details. The address is 22 Lochinvar Street, Pascoe Vale South. It's on, as I said, next weekend, uh, 2nd and 3rd of March, 10 through to 4.30 both days. Entry is $8, children under 18 free, students $5, and uh, as I mentioned, there'll be all those extras there on the day as well. Now... As usual, Open Gardens Victoria have given us one free double pass. So the first listener who'd like to phone in on 941901 double five 0155 and uh, give us a call, you can have that free double pass posted out to you ready for use on either Saturday or Sunday of next weekend. <sighs> a few more I really have to get to. Um, Firstly, coming up again next weekend, Cloud Hill have got their Festival of Flowers. Uh, in conjunction with that, there's going to be a free mini-workshop program running right through from 11am to 4 on both Saturday and Sunday. There'll be garden tours running each day at 11.30 and 2.30 with Jeremy Francis, who created the garden. And uh, the address is 89 Alinda Monvolk Road, Linda, if you'd like more information, 97510584. Then the following weekend, Heronswood have got their harvest festival on. So that's 9th and 10th of March. And again, there's going to be a whole series of workshops uh, coming up. There'll be uh, all sorts of things happening, uh, tips, tips. Uh, for free on, at the on-site workshops, there'll be free garden tours. Uh, you can take part in the famous Harvest Taste Test. You can enjoy lunch on the stunning pool lawn and explore various forms of food production uh, and on it goes. So the times, 9 through till 5 on both days. The address is 105 Latrobe Parade, Dramana. And uh, if you'd like information on that one, 59847321. And, of course, Diggers Club members and under-16s will get in free. Visitors, $10 for that one. Now, uh, also up at Cloud Hill, just a reminder that uh, their last uh, musical event for the summer will be taking place on Saturday the 9th of March. This will be the music of Riley Lee on the Shakahachi and uh, that will be, cost will be adults $45, under 16s $35. Um, you are invited to bring a picnic on the lawns in the garden. Uh, I think uh, you can, uh, entry is from 5 o'clock onwards and the music will uh, commence at sundown. If you want a book, you can go to their website or just punch in um, Cloud Hill and it will all come up. Or if you want to uh, give the gardens a call, that number is 97511009. That's 97511009. 1009. Uh, deary me, I must get to a few more before we open up our talkback lines. Um, 9th and 10th of March, Fernie Creek have got their, um, their big 14th, actually, Annual Plant Collectors Sale and Garden Expo. It's held in the grounds of the Fernie Creek Court Gardens at 100 Hilton Road, East Sassafras. It'll be open from 10 till 4 on both days. Entry, $5, and uh, there'll be 20 to 30 stalls, both in the gardens and in the hall, selling a wide variety of plants and garden paraphernalia. There's free on-site parking. Um, There's the usual light refreshments. Uh, There's a popular sausage sizzle. Bus groups are welcome by arrangement. And, again, if you'd like more information, that number to call is 97282356. Uh, Reedsdale Bush Market have got their um, coming, Bush Market actually coming up on the Sunday the 10th. So it's going to be busy weekends for the next few weeks. Uh, the address is in the Ag agnes mudford reserve that's at 2631 kyneton reedsdale road reedsdale and uh, the market begins at nine finishes at two so again you need to get out there early Uh, there'll be a wide variety of uh, stalls local produce olives honey jams chutneys preserves Uh, native plants, um, love furniture, fishing tackle, goodness me, crochet bags, you name it, I think it's going to be there. Um, There's also going to be some music out there as well. Um, And uh, don't be fooled by weather in Melbourne, although it is weather dependent. dependent, The weather is often a lot drier out there, so uh, if in doubt, it's good to check with the Weather Bureau before you head out. If you want more information... You can phone uh, Alwyn. Her number is 0419 513 976. That's 0419 513 976. Uh, Now, just two more that I really must get to. Uh, Our very good friend, Simon Rickard, is going to be speaking on heirloom vegetables and sustainable gardening at the March meeting of the Friends of the Melton Botanic Garden. Now, uh, Simon, of course, comes down onto the program occasionally. He's appeared on Gardening Australia and other television programs, and uh, he's conducted innumerable gardening workshops. He's worked at Diggers and now runs his own business. He's also a botanical guide for Botanica World Discoveries um, to places all around the world. Now, everyone is welcome. It's free admission. Uh, Supper is provided as well, so that's very generous. Uh, The date is Wednesday the 13th of March, 7.30 p.m. It's being held at the Botanica Springs Community Centre. Now, this is a 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. Uh, You do need to RSVP, and you can do that to John Bentley. Uh, You can phone 9743-3819. If uh, it's unattended, please leave a message or by email, friends at fmbg.org.au. Okay, I'll just give that number again, 9743-3819. And finally... 16th and 17th of March, there is a plant sale down uh, at Cranbourne held by the Friends Group so that, of course, all the money raised goes back into the Cranbourne Gardens. Uh, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. on both days, they'll have a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots uh, priced from $3 upwards. So that's all coming up.
4: Right. Goodness me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, autumn is a little bit like spring, isn't it? It is, yes. yes. There's oodles
2: of stuff going on. I've got some things to talk about as well, but I don't know whether you want to go straight on to those. I might
1: might just uh, give out the phone lines, and then we'll come to this, Stephen. So, uh, yes, we will open up our talkback lines. If you'd like to uh, ask a gardening question this morning, we have Stephen Ryan and Craig Wilson in the studio. We'd love to hear from you, that number, 94190155 that's 94190155 to speak to Craig or Stephen okay stephen what's coming up
2: all right, well, I've got two events coming up in my own garden uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Sunday the 3rd, so next Sunday, yep. uh, my partner, Craig Lidgerwood, is having a, an open studio and exhibition of his botanic art. Oh, great. Uh, it's from 10 to 5. There's no entry fee. Um, we may have a donation box out, though. Never know. Raise some funds for something or another. Um, and the works will be for sale. Uh, Craig will be... Uh, artist-in-residence doing something whilst people are wandering around. Uh, You can have a look around the garden as well. Um, So that's from 10 to 5, parking in Marshall Avenue. And uh, we'd love to see any of our listeners come up and have a look at Craig's work. You possibly saw some of it if you were watching the Gardening Australia 30th anniversary program. Uh, Craig did a small cameo on that. He did. Uh, So uh, we saw some of his work. Uh, And um, so that's on Sunday the 3rd, 10 to 5. And on Monday the 11th, um We've got the opera in the garden again. Oh, right. So the Gertrude Opera Group are coming up with some gorgeous young opera singers uh, and we'll be doing uh, some lovely pieces from lots of different operas uh, in the garden. There will be refreshments available, glass of wine, canopies, all that sort of stuff. Uh, It's $60 per person. Uh, And if you want to book, and you do have to book because we have a limited number of seats available, uh, you need to go to the website and it's the W's dot... GertrudeOpera.com.au forward slash book tickets. So GertrudeOpera.com.au forward slash book tickets. Uh, or you can ring them on zero four three seven six Uh, and you could book that way as well. So, so that's always great fun. We have a lovely time in the garden and it supports young opera singers that have finished their training uh, and are being polished and getting ready to go out into the big world of opera. Um, so it gives them a public performance mm. space. Uh, and it's a nice thing to do. Oh, it's so a lovely
1: the, thing to do. Yeah, yep. so
2: we've got that coming up on the 11th and we've got the open studio on the 3rd. So okay. we've got a busy couple of weeks ahead of us.
1: You have. Now, I think you better give out your address again and oh, remind yes. people about parking.
2: Yes, uh, it's 8 Centenary Avenue is the actual address. Um, but we prefer people to park out in Marshall Avenue, which is the road that leads into Centenary Avenue. There's plenty of uh, street-side parking out there. Uh, Centenary Avenue is tiny and narrow, and as soon as somebody parks in it, the cars can't go up and down it. Um, So if you park in Marshall Avenue and walk in, it's only three houses in, so it's not not, not too hard to do. (laughs) Um, And, um, yeah, so on both days you have the opportunity of having a look around the garden, uh, see what it's... uh, what's happening and what's growing and what's not growing and all that sort of stuff, Um, plus the other events that are going on Mm. at the same time. I might add Craig's art will also be on display on the 11th as well for Gertrude Opera. So those who do come for the opera will also be able to see Craig's work as well. But if you want to have a quieter time and have a nice, long, relaxed look at it, then I would recommend coming on Sunday the 3rd.
1: And, of course, you could have a chat directly with Craig.
2: Exactly. You can talk to the artist, see what he's up to. Um, uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to explain some of the processes of how botanic art works um, and why it's important and and why he's passionate about it and completely obsessed by it. (laughs) Uh, All that stuff. So there we go. Excellent.
1: Okay, well, it's high time we got to some plants, I think. Craig, let's have a start with you.
2: You've got a box full of New Zealanders. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can tell.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, I follow quite a few of the New Zealanders on Instagram, and I mean, they have astonishing gardens over there. But one of the things which, which always attracts me is the divaricating hedges. Yes. Yeah, they, fascinating. They, they do them so well. And um, uh, this is um, Sephora prostrata, which is a uh, kofi. Compact form and i don 't think it 's really prostrate it 's just small, yeah yes uh, I think, I think it 's a uh, loose ter- use of the term. yeah, which mm. would make wonderful hedge, I yeah. think when clipped, um, if anyone's interested it 's worth googling them to have a look at them the uh, the divaricating hedges they we they should
2: explain divarication to people because yes, a lot of should. people won 't know what it is it 's this sort of zigzagging of twigs that a lot of New Zealand native flora tends to do. Quite unrelated plants, in fact. That, That's right. It's, that it's all really it. about moa isn't it? Yeah, it's the, the, about the
4: giant birds that aren't there anymore yeah. and the plants haven't so given it out. it's a mechanism to stop them grazing on them. Mm. Yeah. And the New Zealanders have lots of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, it's, it's amazing because they, they are quite unrelated. There's... You know, caprosmas and there's, there's sephoras and, and yeah. uh There's that fabulous thing, uh, the Mule and Becky yeah. with its wonderful devaricated branches. It's almost impossible to propagate. I've struck some this last year. Have you? But, yeah, some years I put the cuttings in and nothing happens. Yeah. Other years it strikes reasonably well. I think I've got about a dozen of them to sell from last year's cuttings. Right. And this year's cuttings are in at the moment and not looking crash hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know what it is about that plant because no. the first time I put cuttings in I got it from... Remember uh, William Martin down in, at Wagandia, down yeah. in the Western District? He had a big plant in his garden, yeah. and he gave me some cuttings off it, and it struck really well, and I thought, oh, this is good. Yeah. No problems here, and then ever since, <laughs> I've struggled with it. But Same.
4: There, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, one year, I struck a, you know, a handful of them, mm. but it looks like the sort of thing that would just propagate so easily. Yeah, you'd think you'd trim it, yeah. and trimmings would root. Well, I've got a friend <laughs> in New Zealand who grows native plants. He's got a nursery there, and he told me seed. Ah. But I've never... I've never seen seed. seed. No, yeah, exactly. No. So there you go. Yeah, so devaricated plants, yeah. a, a New Zealand specialty. Yeah. <laughs> and really interesting garden plants and generally pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. What else
4: have you got there, um, Ray? Pseudopanax is another genus that I really like. Mm-hmm. So this is five finger. Good indoor plants too. Are they? Yes. Okay. Oh, there you, got, there you, yes. go. There you go. You can
2: flog your pseudopanaxes to anybody in the current indoor plant um, Yeah. Crays, right. uh, they take low light levels, uh, and they're good foliage
4: plants. They're, yeah. uh, they're really pretty leaves. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is, this is Blissonii purpurea. Yeah. Most people would be familiar with Crassifolia and Ferox, mm. yeah, the, which these has the big jagged leaves mm. that, that revert when it gets older. But Blasonii there's quite a raft of um, mm. different foliage types in, in that group. And I find them terrific. They grow in quite dense shade. Yeah, they're reasonably drought tolerant. Reasonably drought tolerant mm-hmm. once yeah. they're established. They can grow to quite decent sized bushes. Some of these
2: pseudopanaxes, That's can't right. they? they or even small trees. Yeah. Because yeah. I've got a um, a, gold, a gold splash and a Cyril Watson Cyril in, Watson, in yeah. the garden at home, and they'd easily be four metres or more tall now. Yeah. Um, and and I've got just a seedling eye that came up so it's not a name clone
4: or anything, yeah. and it's becoming a tree. Yeah. yeah. yeah so presumably
1: mine. this one can be pruned quite heavily. Yeah,
4: they like to be pruned. Yep. Yeah. I, and it's not a big job. It's once a year. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it takes me 10 minutes because mm. the wood's quite soft. Okay. Yeah. It's not looking very purpurea at the moment, but if they get a bit of sun, they'll be quite yeah. purple. And the new growth is particularly dark, isn't it, Craig? That's right, so yeah. You get this lovely – it's almost – it's not – a purple, like
2: you tend to see in a lot of deciduous plants, it's almost a chocolatey colour. That's right. It's yeah. not that sort of burgundy ish colour that a lot yeah. of uh, dark leaf plants tend to be.
4: And, and the variegated forms, you need to watch them because they revert. Oh, yeah. They got not take stable. pieces out. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, one of mine's gone green from neglect, but yeah. You know. Yeah, <laughs> my, <laughs> big, my big <laughs> plant
2: of, of gold splash in the garden at home is more green than gold now because yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't keep an eye on it. But that's there That's
4: right. So, yes, yeah, that's the. And of course, the puka. Which, Which is, I can't grow. It, it always astonishes me what we can grow in the Dandenongs. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is comes from the Poor Knights and the Hen and Chicks Islands in the far north of New Zealand. Mm. And the, the Maori brought them to the mainland a little bit, but not a lot. Mm. But now they're used all over the place. In Auckland, you see them as street trees everywhere. Right. It's yeah. a fabulous foliage. Yeah. Great big place. Isn't it glossy leaves. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And I have tried two or three times. Uh,
2: my latest one carked it this winter. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was in a really sheltered spot. Yeah. Yep. We
4: just get too much frost too up there. Too much frost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen them up where my mother lives, and the, the whole tops of them burnt out mm. with frost. This is in New Zealand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So they are very sensitive to it. But, but what a belief. If you can grow them, they're, they're well worth growing. And, and because they grow on these rocky islands, the drought tolerance is quite good once they're mm. established. Mm. Yeah. And they don't look like
2: they should be drought tolerant because they're big, sort of. Mock tropical-looking things almost look like ficus, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they've yes, got that yeah. sort of look yeah, about them. Yeah. Um, but they're in the same family as the cypripediums yeah, like in the Araliaceae. Yeah yeah, 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 and so they don't look quite like they should belong there. But they're yeah. in flower, you can tell.
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and then they tolerate pruning quite well. Mm. Um, there's a variegated form which I haven't seen in Australia. No, I haven't seen I, it someone here. Someone needs to bring it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting it through quarantine. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's yeah. Right. And it won't be me because it'll die for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the variegated one is probably even more frost tender than the probably, green one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. tends to be that yeah, way with, yeah. with,
4: with plants. The, yeah. the, the weaker variegated forms tend to be less easy to keep. Mm. But certainly if someone wants a tropical garden or tropical look with, mm. you know, something reasonably tough, a uh, puka or murtius and mm. is well worth growing. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Another great New Zealander. Yeah. Actually, some of those offshore islands have got amazing plants. That's right.
2: You, yeah. know, you just don't... Uh, I mean, uh, one of my favourites is Zeranema, the uh, poor knight's lily, with yep. its wonderful bottle brushes of scarlet red flowers That's and its right. really
4: thick, succulent, bright green foliage. Just a stunning plant. And it's one of those things that needs to be pot-bound, so they thrive mm. on neglect. Mm. Yeah. You don't see them around much in Australia. Very rarely. I've got yeah. a big pot of uh, of...
2: Zeranema at the nursery, which I'm (laughs) going to divide in due course Um, and it's an interesting genus because there's only two species there's one in New Zealand and one in New Caledonia and I've got both species um, but they are slightly borderline for up our way too because of the cold. I think the New
4: Zealander comes from the poor nights too. Yeah, yeah, it does Mm. wonderful plant
1: Fantastic. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Do give us a call if you have a gardening question or if you want to make comment on anything we're talking about. That number is nine four one nine zero one double five. We have Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants and Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery in the studio. So uh, do feel free to give us a call on nine four one nine zero one double five. Stephen, let's go to a couple of your plants next.
2: Craig was talking about tropical effects, so I might as well start with this one. Um, The rice paper plant, Tetrapanax papyrifera. Uh, It's not for the gardener who's a bit nervous uh, because it suckers (laughs) all over the place, Uh, although it doesn't sucker to the extent where the suckers sort of come up cheap by jowl and it takes over. It tends to sucker a couple of metres away or, you know, it'll, it'll sucker out well away from the original parent plant and it's comparatively straightforward to remove suckers if they come up where you don't want them and... It looks better in a drift anyway. Okay. And it has these huge, big maple-shaped leaves, and I've bought in a young one in a 15-centimetre in pot, but uh, its leaves are still quite large, but they can get to at least double that
4: size mm. on a well-grown plant. It's not dissimilar to Fatsia, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's got that same look about yeah. it. If you know what a Fatsia looks like, um, it's similar but with a more matte-looking leaf. Yeah. Uh, they grow sort of tall, single stems usually until they flower, and they get these heads of white flowers in the winter, or tiny little flowers in big heads. When they flower, they tend to branch, and then the foliage gets smaller. So once they're flowered, I tend to cut them off at ground level and wait for the suckers to come up again so that I get the great big leaves. Yep. Well, having said that, I've got one in the garden that must be five metres tall now, uh, and it's still a single stem because every time it flowered, it sent up one stem (laughs) instead of the (laughs) multiple stems. And so it's kept its big leaf size, and it's growing right against the wall of the garage, and it's way up and above my head now. And I'm hoping it's going to stay that way for a a couple more years because having a really tall one is quite exotic and exciting looking. What sort of position? Um, I find uh, that they do quite well in... Comparatively heavy shade. Okay. Uh, They'll grow out in the sun, although if we get a 45-degree with a howling northwesterly, the leaves will burn, uh, particularly if the ground's a bit dry. Um, But they're reasonably tough and hardy, but they are a bit sort of like the the mogul hordes they like to take over Um, so you've just got to be aware if you plant them and the other thing you need to be aware of with the rice paper plant too is that it has a fur on the back of the leaves and if you're pruning them down or cutting them and you get a nose full of the stuff you'll be hacking and coughing for ages it's just awful Um, so if i'm doing major work on my Tetrapanaxes, i tend to wear a face mask just to sort of protect myself from it having said that I still do it every so often. I'll go out and I see some dead leaves or something. I'll start pulling them you off can't and then help I go, Oh, no, I've done it again. And I start hacking and Yeah. Oh. Uh, so just be aware that there are certain health risks with yes. tetrapanax. Yes. But if you want something that you walk out into the garden and you say, Oh, I better rush back inside, put on my leopard skin lap lap and start swinging through the trees. <laughs> Then Tetrapanax the is the one. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it has such a wonderful tropical effect to it, and particularly on mass. Yep. So, you know, one Tetrapanax really doesn't do it for me. You've got to have sort of a drift of them, and they'll do that all on their own. Wow. So I think it's a great plant. Mm. <coughs> but, yes, you do have to watch it for its Your budd- issues. Your crisper does that to me. Oh, actually, several of the Buddleias are like that. Yeah. I'm very nervous about throwing Buddleia through the shredder for that very reason. That's right. And yeah. you get, yeah, you get oh, it yeah. Chocks up your throat. Yeah. Um, not very pleasant, I have to say. Yeah. And if you've just been pruning euphorbias and got an eye full of their sap at the same time, <laughs> uh, you might decide to, to give up gardening, really. Yes. And I've
1: just been pru- pruning my Flomus uh, again. And
2: oh, you've come I up. had
1: what, long sleeves, but up came the rash, uh, and I got dust in my eyes. And ah, Yeah, phlomis yeah.
2: does the same thing. It has that horrible, horrible dust. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway. Oh, well, that's gardening. It's part of gardening. It <laughs> indeed, yeah. Okay, another plant soon. All right,
2: well, something on a completely different level. Here we have a Seningia uh, suningia tuba flora, which is a gloxinia, yep. basically. Uh, but this is a fairly cold hardy one. It's summer growing. It has a tuber underneath it. Uh, dies down in the winter. Uh, has the most exotic fragrance. You have a whiff of that, Pam. Beautiful foliage. Oh, superb. It's got the most incredible scent. Um, Mm. It's just lovely. Uh, It's summer growing, so it needs summer irrigation. You need to keep the tubers a bit dry in the winter. Um, But in well drained soils, I don't see any reason why it won't. So you put it in the garden. You could put it in the garden, yeah. yeah. It'll just disappear in the winter. Uh, but it does need some summer irrigation to keep it t- ticking over. If it gets yeah. really dry, it starts being wan and miserable looking. Um, it's just these sort of long stems. In the garden, it's sometimes a bit stiffer and more self-supporting than the one i bought brought down in the pot. Um, but the perfume's heavenly. So if you had it in a pot, you could bring it into the house when it's in flower, mm. enjoy it in the house, then pop it back outside again. And it flowers for weeks. So, Seningia tuba flora, I think it's Himalayan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of the gloxinias. but it doesn't have the great big flowers that you imagine from the conservatory gloxinias that you would see around occasionally. Uh, although they're a plant that seems to have disappeared out of popularity to a large extent. You don't see gloxinias. You don't see a lot. No. no, you don't see them around very much. But I'm quite taken with this one. I think it's lovely and it's, uh, it's one I can grow. So, uh, I can't really keep the other gloxinias unless I treat them as plants that I take indoors for the winter and all that sort of stuff yep. so that one Seningia tuba flora oh by the way before I forget all of my plants are up on the Facebook page oh great yeah so Liz yes. has put them up so uh, if you want to see what they look like don't hesitate to go into the Facebook page and you'll see the two I've talked about are up there plus any others I talk about
1: just just get onto Facebook punch in 3CR gardening show and it'll all come up it will
2: come up in yep. fact it's a, it's a really good asset actually to be able to do this it's because, fabulous you know as descriptive as one can be, uh, you can't describe th- plants really. No, it, it uh, a picture all makes the time. all That's the difference. That's so, right. Yes. Uh, so yes. So don't forget the Facebook page is there. In fact, if we're talking about plants, you should have it open in front of you, yeah. and you can look at the flowers while we're talking about yeah.
1: them. Which reminds me, we must uh, train you into. Oh, yes, you yeah.
2: need to train
1: Craig. Up, um. oh,
4: you, you load them on Facebook. No, uh,
2: I take photos of them and send them to, via phone, okay. to Liz, who's yeah. uh, uh, one of our kind helpers at 3CR, yeah. and then she loads it up on okay. the Facebook for us. So I send oh. her the pictures and a list of the names. Yeah. And then she just pops them up. So then you can photograph them in situ. Well, you can, or yeah. and I do them the day before, so that yeah. she's already got them. Yes. So I and go you, just text, yeah, you just send it as a text. Yeah, just send it as a text, and so it's, it's fairly straightforward. It's a right. good idea. So yes, we'll have to get and you, you into and, that. And you
1: do it the day before.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's easier if you can do it the day before, then you don't have to think about it. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. so and, and it also makes you go out and make sure you pick up some stuff for three. <laughs> yeah.
4: and uh, it's also
1: and interesting that that often you can take the um the picture of the the plant in situ. Do, yep. mm. Rather than just sitting in the pot yeah, or, or holding a, up a bit of a cutting. Yeah. So mm. yeah. So, um, yeah. so, so uh, next time you're on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: You've now got a job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no rest for the wicked. Yeah. That's no. All right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, Where is everybody?
1: Ken from Sunshine has rung in just to wish everyone uh, well for the new year. Oh. Thanks, Ken. And same to you. That's yeah. great. Uh, but we would like to hear from some listeners this yes. morning. Um, if you have a gardening question, we'd love to hear from you. Nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. Craig, let's go back to you with a couple more plants.
4: There's a few things in the garden looking fantastic. The Metapannax. D- d- is and just... And another
2: thing in the Aureliaceae. Yeah, so you know, yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, you've got, got a theme. I, a so theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a theme, <laughs> but yeah. it's
4: not a kiwi one. No, no, this one's from southern China. Okay. Sharply lobed dark green foliage mm. and really soft green flowers. And it, it, the, you'd look at the flowers down, you'd think they don't look much, but it's actually quite striking yeah, yeah. against the dark foliage. Yeah. Um, if people want to see a big one of that, there's a really
2: good specimen in the Chinese border, the southern Chinese border down at the Botanic Gardens okay, in Melbourne. Yeah. So if they go to that border, there's a really nice big Metapanax growing. Well, not that far off the path. You walk past it as you're going down the main path yeah. through the Chinese area. It's Much lovely. undergrown
4: in Melbourne. I yeah. think it's a really, really good shrub for our gardens. Um, and and yeah. like most of these evergreens, you know, a quick prune every now and again can yeah. bring it bring it back into shape. Um, I would say sun or partial shade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I find
2: it does very well in the shade yeah. actually. Um, Three meters.
4: Ish. Ish, yeah. I think
2: the one down in Melbourne's a little bigger than that, but it's yep. been there for quite a long time. Yeah. So I've got a sense that in the wild it could actually end up being a small tree. Small tree, yeah. yeah.
4: But I look, I think it's best maintained as a shrub. Mm. Um, yeah, well worth growing. it'd be a good thing along a, uh, a semi-shaded sort of boundary line or
2: something right. like that. That's a Good where screening can, shrub. Yeah. yeah. You screen yourself out. It grows quickly yeah. enough to do its job, but not yeah.
4: so fast that it's a problem. No, it doesn't. Certainly doesn't take over. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, so Metapanax. Yeah, Metapanax is a good plant. Mm. Yeah. I want
2: some more of those. I'm assuming you've seen some of the different sort of Aureliaceae things that yeah. they pop up on different websites all over the place and Facebook pages and things. You know, there's the Sinopanaxes and all sorts yeah. of other stuff.
1: Why haven't we got them Great here?
2: family, isn't it? Oh, wonderful foliage plants. They're that's just right. incredible. Yeah.
1: Okay, um, we've got a couple of calls oh, that come through. So uh, we'll go, let me see, first up to... Now that number can't be right. I'll try. No, it won't be that one.
2: Ah. Ooh, here we go.
1: We'll try. See if it's maybe line nine. Um, are you there, Pam?
3: Hello.
5: Oh. No. No, <laughs> I'm a ring. I'm ringing up to ask a question.
1: Okay. Well, just just hold on, and I'll put you back to our phone operator for the moment. Just hang on. Thank you. Um. I don't know which line I'm...
2: Uh, you're going to just give me the wrong punt. one.
1: Yeah, we'll try this one. Uh, okay, see if we've got Pam in Kyneton. Are you there, Pam? I'm here. Ah, ah good.
0: Well got you.
1: <laughs> okay, go ahead,
3: Pam.
0: Right. I wanted to speak with Stephen and ask him what he thinks about a taxis um, and if it would grow up here with me in Kyneton.
2: Taxus would grow in kind and the problem is getting one. Um, there seems to be an issue with them as pot plants. So I gave up growing them years ago because you'd have a nice crop of Texas patatas growing um, and then one would collapse in the middle for no apparent reason and then another one would go. And so I stopped growing them because I was always frightened the next one to die was the one I just sold yesterday. So I just gave them up altogether. So I don't grow taxis at all anymore. I grow the cephalotaxis, the Chinese uh, plum ewe, or Japanese plum you Which is indestructible. Yeah, because it's as hardy as they come. Oh. Uh, but I gave up growing the taxis altogether. And I don't think anybody, I don't know of anybody that's still growing taxis anywhere. Well,
4: they're a bit weedy in the Dandenongs. They've come yeah, up all, all over the place. Yeah, they
2: will sell seed and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I don't know that you can buy them commercially anywhere, either the straight English ewe or the pencily Irish forms. If you're in um, for the long haul, I could Pot one. Yeah. There
0: was um, a nursery I was in yesterday that
2: had some. Oh, well, grab one of theirs, but just be aware that they're fine once they get established in the garden for some reason. So if you get them past that initial stage where they're likely to collapse, I think it's some sort of fungal root rot that they get when they're in pots, but I'm not dead sure. And because they're not a valuable enough crop for anybody to do the research and find out what the hell is going on. Nobody's ever bothered. So we don't really know what the problem is. But certainly they're hardy enough. I mean, they'll take any amount of cold. So it doesn't matter how cold it gets at Kyneton. I mean, Kyneton can't get as cold as Poland. Uh, And dry shade. And they'll cope with dry shade really well. Uh, They should cope with being out in the sun, although I don't know how yous will go with our 45-degree howling northwesterlies.
0: And that was going to be my next question. How do you think they would go with the... No rain in summer and the...
2: They're reasonably drought-tolerant once they get their roots down, Pam, but they're rain. not, I don't think they're as heat-tolerant as we might want.
0: Yeah, that, well, that was more my concern, mm. I think. Yeah. Anyhow, and Azara's, Stephen. Yeah. The Azara I bought from you is absolutely wonderful. Good, I'm glad to get it. that
2: sort of feedback. <laughs> Oh, it is. It's a great plant. It's oh, great. yeah. Azara is a fabulous little tree, and I don't know why more people aren't using it, um, yep. particularly Microphyla. It's probably the, the cream of the genus because uh, mm. it's such a pretty, light, airy little tree. Grows mm. like mad, seems mm. to have very few um, foibles or difficulties. And yep. when its tiny flowers are on it around about August, early September, the yep. perfume just wafts. It's the most fabulous thing.
0: And it's
2: really
0: pretty. So it is. Hmm. Do you have any more?
2: Yes, I've got oodles of them up. Well, oh, oodles. I, when I say oodles, I've probably got 10 or a dozen of them up at work at the moment. Yeah. For me, that's a big batch. That's, yeah, i agree with that. <laughs> yes, yeah. 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 yeah, so I don't grow anything usually in, in larger quantities. But, yeah, there's plenty of nice young ones, I think, in um, 15 centimetre pots up there at the moment. And I've just potted some up into, into 20 centimetre pots to grow on. So I'll have some larger plants later in the year. So, yes, yeah, so I've got plenty of Azaras at the moment.
0: Good, I'll be up to see you. It's a shame they're not grown more frequently because they really are, it really is. Um, it's down the hill a little bit on my block, yeah. which is a really hard spot. Yeah. And it hasn't blinked an eye, it's just off, you know, it's not drooping like all my other trees yes, are. Yes,
2: yeah, it's a, it's, it is, it's a remarkable little tree. And having seen it growing in the wild in Chile, I'm actually in some ways a bit surprised that it is as heat and drought tolerant as it seems to be, because uh, in Chile it tends to grow in sort of the, the foothills of the, the Andes and things where it gets adequate water and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, although I guess in some places it grows in sort of uh, volcanic slaggy sort of soils and things which probably drain incredibly fast. So yeah, so maybe that's where it's developed its drought tolerance with, I don't know. But yes, the Zara Microphile is a great little tree and it should be grown in much more quantity, except if it was, then I probably wouldn't be stocking it anymore.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll come up and see you All right. a week. Thank you. All right, you, See you then. Bye. Maybe I'll come down and see you. Too. Yes, whatever. <laughs> okay. I'll see you for now. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Okay. Uh, we seem to be having an issue with some of the phones. We'll try uh, Philippa in Sydenham. Are you there, Philippa?
6: I am. Yes. Good. Good. Go boy. ahead. You're getting very popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, Stephen, I have um, a bluestone rock wall that I've built, mm. and for 20 years my pink rosemary has lived throughout all of the extreme droughts and, and heat, mm-hmm. exposed, and I've used it as, a, as a, a wind protecting factor really, and it's worked very well. I've taken cuttings; I've got about 40 there. Mm. But um, I'm, and the other one is a soft pink. Rock rose. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would regard as rather good long-term windbreaks on a, on a bluestone uh, embankment like that? And secondly, um, my turkey fig is just stretching to heaven mm-hmm. next to my espaliered nashy. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, should I just make it horizontal so that it will bear fruit rather than stretch to the sky
2: well figs are very prunable let's start with that figs are very prunable and you and i've seen them as spalliard i've seen them grown in almost any different way shape and form you want um so yes why not uh so i guess that answers that question to a large extent so yeah don't be frightened of the fig tree you can prune them off a ground level Mm -hmm. and they'll come back again they just might not fruit for a wee while after you've done it um but they are tough so, oh, good. Yeah, so that's fine. Oh, it's
6: the brown turkey fig that i Yeah, made. it
2: doesn't really matter which fig it is that you're growing, though. They're much of a muchness, all of the different edible figs, as far as their pruning is concerned. Right. So They, they can all fruit be on new woods. Yeah, so, so it should, you should still get fruit fairly quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So don't be frightened of it. Cut it back. Now, good. when you're talking about shrubs, you're talking about rosemary and rock roses and things. So I'm assuming you're talking about things that grow to sort of the metre and a half to two metre height. Exactly. Yeah, all right. Well, I've got a couple of things I would say, or at least one thing I would suggest to you. A shrub I grow a lot of, which is drought tolerant, it's heat tolerant, um, and it's a fabulous thing, is a Mediterranean shrub called Buplurum. Uh, Now, Buplurum is in the carrot family, and it has grey foliage, which is really pretty, sort of almost ear-shaped leaves, uh, and it gets heads of lime green, carrot-like flowers or fennel-like flowers that sit over the whole top of the bush.
6: It's not see-through, is it?
2: No, no, it grows quite bushy. I mean, the flower heads on top of the bush are see-through, but the bush itself is fairly dense, Right. and with a little bit of pruning, you can make it even more so.
4: So what about syringa,
2: maiorai, pablon? Yeah, yeah. It's super tough. Yeah, except it's deciduous. It's deciduous. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming you want evergreen things.
6: I, I do because I've I've actually got a taxus mm. that I've I've just come in from pruning, mm-hmm. and uh, that's rather good. But it's near the picket fence, so I I don't mind if that does become bare in um in the in the cold. But I prefer ones that. Yeah, so you're
2: mainly for evergreen plants. Yeah, so, well, I would suggest bupleurum. The issue you've got is it's me uh, promoting myself, really, because I don't know where else you'd buy one except from my nursery. Uh, there's not many people grow bupleurums. I saw it used in huge quantities all over the south of France uh, when I was there uh, last year, year before, whenever it was. Um, and it's a really pretty shrub, and it's, uh, its grey foliage and its limey green flower heads uh, are a really interesting and different sort of contrast and it would go well with things like your rosemary and, and your rock roses and things because it comes from the same part of the world uh, there's also a canary island species or two with slightly narrower leaves but they're still grey um, and so I think bupleurum would be really good
6: Lovely, thank you for that Stephen
2: That's a pleasure
6: Okay,
1: bye, bye. Okay I'm going to see if we have uh, Lisa in Hawthorne online, you there Lisa?
5: Hello, yes. Oh, good, we've got you. <laughs> Excellent, good morning. Um, I just had a question about a pomegranate. Uh, it's one that is in a pot and we bought, uh, we didn't buy it, we got it from a lady uh, actually in Hawthorne who, whose uh, garden was going to be demolished and she had offered people to come and, and dig things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we dug it out um, around about October last year and, and potted it up at the moment because I'm going to redo a bit of a section of my garden. Um, it looked really good in the pot, and it's still looking fine, and it set a number of flowers, and I was quite happy. Um, but no, no sort of um, nothing after that. And essentially, I want to know um, what would encourage it to fruit. Uh, the pollination—is there an issue there? Like what? What now, else?
2: Patience does... is what you need. Yeah, that's right. I was, <laughs> I was <gonna> try. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, you've dug it out. Um, it's it's probably. Um, almost a surprise it managed to flower at this point in time.
5: It had quite a lot of flowers yeah, on yeah.
2: But it's not going to set fruit until it gets itself more established. I think you're just being... A little bit uh, impatient with it. Give it time. It doesn't need special pollinators. It does, it, uh, they, they, they pollinate themselves if it's a good variety. <laughs> the only other issue is, of course, that uh, because you got it from somebody else, it is a little dependent on whether it was a, originally a selected good fruiting clone, of course, because there's pomegranates out there that aren't great fruiters, right. um, uh, seedling ones and what have you, uh, which will still flower quite well but won't necessarily fruit. So if I were planting a pomegranate in the ground, I would buy a named variety pomegranate, and there's any number of them out there. There's one that's rather stupidly called wonderful, uh, which does get quite good fruit apparently, Uh, and there's other clones out there as well. But if you're wanting pomegranates for their fruit, um, then it's better to go for that. This may actually be one of those. You just never know your luck, but I think you just need to be patient
5: so um, a couple of years would it take?
2: Yeah, and look, it won't fruit as well in a pot as it probably will if it can get its roots out into the ground too.
5: Right. And just in terms of um, position in the garden... Sunny.
2: Sunny. Sunny. Hot and dry. Hot and dry, yeah. Mm. Uh, They're they're one of those plants that will cope with extremes of weather. Um, So it will laugh at 45 degrees in a howling northwesterly. So they're ideal against a hot wall or anywhere where you're struggling to find something to grow because of heat and dry. Uh, Obviously keep them well watered the first summer in the ground to get their roots established. But after that, pomegranates will look after themselves.
5: Okay, because it's about, probably
2: about a metre and a half. Mm. See, it's still, at that size, it's still a young pomegranate. Yeah, and if
4: it did have fruit, I'd be inclined to take it off. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be
2: early for it to fruit at this point in time. So, yeah, so a little bit of patience with it, and I would get it out into the ground this winter if you can, um, and, you know, release it out into the wild. um, Give it ample space. And, it, and
5: feeding as
2: well? They don't need a lot of feeding either. I mean, they grow in, if you've seen them in, in Greece and places like that, they're growing in the worst rocky, mm. awful, almost soilless environments and still flourishing and fruiting.
5: Mm, okay.
2: So don't get, I mean, if you were to overfeed and overwater and overmollycoddle a pomegranate, it would probably grow like stink and hardly ever flower or fruit.
5: Right. Okay. Great. All right. Well, um, I will, um, I'll try that. Yeah. I've forgotten the lady's name, but if she happens to be listening because I think it was on your your show that she originally rang to say she had um oh fantastic claims, um, oh well, it's I nice to see that. the things the are being moved around thing, yeah' um, kind of bulldozed now and there's nothing there, but she had a beautiful garden um, um, but we've got a few bulbs and, <sighs> and that um that from her so uh, yes, thank you to that lady <laughs> all right and thank thanks for your help with that i'll um I'll be patient yes okay yes, good. good thank you bye bye.
2: there are an utilized plant pomegranates There right are. Yeah. I love them in the yeah. garden. Yeah. I've got I mean,
1: one that gives me so much pleasure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, flowers the, the flowers are so striking. The fruit's time. stunning. Yeah. 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 Even if I do end up feeding all the coffees and the <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, well there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't think of many fruiting plants that have flowers that aren't just white or pale pink. That's right. Uh, yeah. so to have something with that brilliant oh, orangey red that, that pomegranates have. Yeah. Um, and their autumn foliage can be really pretty. Yeah. Look, I just
1: um, think it's a great plant. Yeah.
4: And so tough. I've yeah. got a really dwarf one in the garden. Mm. It's lowest planted, so it's way before me. Oh, God, that it's is only, old, only yes. a metre high. Yeah. Yeah, flowers incredibly heavily. Yeah. But mm. I can't get the cutting. I can strike them, yeah. but I never get them through the first winter. Mm. It might be one of those
2: things, and here's me giving you advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a good nurseryman, so you know most of what you need to know. But I find anything that doesn't make it through the first winter... I strike as early in the previous spring as possible, yeah. and I make sure I get some growth on it before it goes into dormancy. Yep. If you get growth on things before they go into dormancy, they tend to then come through the winter better. Right. And Because uh, I had that same issue with um, uh, the Ch- Chinese glory vine, right. Vitus coignetii. Yep. Always no problem striking the cuttings. You pop yep. them up, they go into dormancy, die. Yep. If I, put, if I do the cuttings really early in the spring under
4: mist... You're talking September or...?
2: Yeah, well, as soon as their leaves are sort of yeah. more or less full size, yeah. um, and quite soft wood, yeah. I get them in, they strike still, yeah. because I've got them under mist, I get them up into tubes, they're now starting to shoot again, yeah. so I'm now starting to get the growth on them again. Yeah. So anything that shoots now will go through the winter and will be fine. If some of them don't start to shoot before the winter... I could virtually guarantee I should throw them well, away as well straight chuck away. Them away yeah, yeah. I may as well chuck them away because they won't come into leaf the next spring. Yep. And I think it's the same with quite a number of those plants. I've got a couple of other things I'm trying to grow at the moment that I'd be finding the same issue with yep. that I just can't seem to get them through that first winter. And I think it's you've got to get those things moving as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I feed them. I make sure I give them a liquid feed and all that sort of stuff. Try and push them away once they get a root system under them. Yeah. Um, and then it seems to be all right, because that little pomegranate, it's gorgeous. So, it's a
4: really good plant. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good plant. I've yeah. seen it
2: in your garden up there. Yeah. And it, I'm assuming you could sell oodles of them if you had I would them. have thought a, so, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I haven't seen it anywhere else that yeah. small. Yeah, yes, because yours is really, really compact, compact and yeah. tiny. Mm.
5: Mm.
1: Okay, interesting.
4: Lois had a knack of finding those sort of things. Yeah, yeah, she was very good at that sort of stuff. Lois right. Is Lois still about? Yeah. Oh, she is. Oh, that's all right.
2: I would have thought I'd have heard if she hadn't been. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good.
1: Okay, let's go next to uh, Jill from the Herb Society. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Sam, Stephen,
3: and another guest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Craig, I've got Wilson. A... Can I ask about my Tamarillo? Sure. Um, it was hit by the hail. You know, mm-hmm. the, the six leaves lower down, all absolutely ribbon. Yeah. And now it's gone to about a metre and a half, a spindly tall trunk and a little knot of leaves at the top. Mm-hmm. Can I cut it off or that's the end of it? Uh,
2: I wouldn't cut it off because tamarillos grow into a small tree.
3: Yeah. And they that's tend to like be
2: single-trunked that. and then they branch out above you. Feed um, it. Yeah, I would just keep it well-fed and well-watered. Uh, I'm assuming it's getting enough light.
3: Oh, yes, it's facing north and yeah. it even gets a bit of westerly, a little, you know, on the top.
2: Yeah. Uh, I would just keep it well-fed and, and push it along that way because I can't see any real benefit from pruning it back. Um, I, I mean, it'll probably shoot from lower down, but it's not a plant I would prune this late in the season anyway because right. we're heading towards the cool weather.
3: Okay. And now, can I ask about, tell about the Herb Society on Thursday, the 7th, at 7.15 onwards, at uh, 7.15 pm, at Burnley Horticultural in room 10. And that's in the main cream building, and it has a steel ramp to enter by. And we're having Anne Marie Manders from Warrantina Lavender Farm come. Okay. And she's going to talk about varieties of lavender and she'll bring a whole lot of different things she's made from lavender to show people what they can do and to sell some of them as well. So that should be a nice aromatic night. Yes. And then we have supper and, um, yes, we have a very friendly bunch, I suppose about 40 people usually. So people are very welcome and visitors... It's $5, but members bring the supper and they're free. So, hopefully, we'll get a few more members. Excellent. Thanks, Pam.
1: Okay, good on you, Jill. Bye. Bye. Okay, we've got a few queries from the outside line. First up, Alison uh, from Bon Morris wants to get some hints on caring for seedlings of elephant's ears.
2: It depends on what you means by elephant ears. Alicizuria. Oh, yeah. yeah. So food and water. Yeah, food and water. Yeah, You're <laughs> right, Craig.
1: Yeah, uh, that applies to both. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, they are water-side plants, most of them. So they grow in bogs and what have you, so they love water.
4: They're sort of stream-side, aren't they? Yeah, So they yeah. grow above the water and put their roots yeah, into and, it.
2: Yeah, so, so they like plenty of water, so she's got seedlings of them, uh, keep them very damp, and... Would it be possible to overfeed them? I I I would have brought Yeah, Yeah, I don't really believe in overfeeding anyway. Yeah, but I can't see how they would mind. You know, it's one of those plants that, you know, they'd probably gobble it up. A bit like canners and things. Yeah, that's right. Park a horse next to a canner and it would probably be quite happy about that. Um, So, yeah, so just keep them well fed and well watered. Uh, Obviously in an appropriate size pot if you're growing them in pots. In fact, I'd be tempted to put them in a tray of water. Yeah. yeah. Underneath them. Especially
4: in the hot weather. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So that way you don't have to worry so much about trying to keep the yeah. water up to them. So boggy plants like that, I often get a, an old polystyrene box and just cut the top off it and just have a, a shallow dish of it, and yeah. I can pop my pots in that and then just keep it topped up with water. And that would work quite well, I would have thought, for yeah. the alocasias. yeah. Mm. Mm.
1: Okay. And the other one, uh, Grisilla from East Malvern is looking for a companion plant for her cherry pie.
2: Depends on what you mean by companion plant. If you just want something visual, uh, by it, I can't think of any sort of well, not strictly companion plant no, no, thing exactly. with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, cherry pie is a pretty little sort of small shrubby plant. Um, There's oodles of other stuff that you could grow with it. Yeah,
4: something sort of soft yellow would be nice with it. Yeah, you could. um, You could use the plant that I actually bought here. Caryopteris would be perfect.
2: Yeah, there's a a little shrub called Caryopteris hints of gold, um, which only grows to probably two-thirds of a metre tall. You prune it back hard every winter. um, It has soft goldy green leaves, and it gets masses of... Bee and hoverfly attracting um, bluey-mow flowers at this time. Very day. bee. Yeah. Very bee attracting. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 In fact, it's probably not one of those plants that if you have an allergy to bees, you yeah. should plant near a bath. <laughs> uh, because uh, every bee known to man will come rushing to this plant when it's in flower. Yeah. And, and it flowers at this time of the year, which would, would sort of blend in quite nicely. Yeah, that is tough. Our, oh, coats of the heat. I mean, most gold things I'm always a bit nervous That's about. That's right. Yeah. 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 But this, you can plant it right out in full sun. Its gold leaves don't seem
4: to scorch. Um, so and you know what I like about it is it's in like a prosma. It sort of reverts on branches, yeah. and you can get all sorts of interesting leaf yeah. colours from it.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great little plant. So, yep. uh, so you could go for Caryopteris, which is C-A-R-Y-O-P-T-E-R. I-S, Caryopteris, And there's a straight greeny gr- grey form of yeah. it as well, the wild form. Or a variegated and, form. And, oh, yes, there's a the variegated one as well. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that one, but, uh, but I think Caryopteris is a great I plant. I so the
4: variegated one would work because the um, oh, cherry so. pie has quite nice dark foliage. Yep, you're right,
2: it could. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of other small things. I mean, I am not a great believer in planting Nandina domestica nana, but there are some other small compact Nandinas that yeah. would work quite well. Um, uh, I think nana looks like it's had a holiday at Chernobyl. I can't bear that plant. Yeah.
4: Uh, but silver, some of the, silver helianthemum? Yes. Oh, wisely pink?
2: Yes, yeah. yes, yes. The helianthemums would be a good, yeah. good possibility. So there's oodles of interesting, small, sun-loving plants that would go with the cherry pie. Excellent. There you go. So there's a few ideas.
1: Okay. Let's, where, I just, um, put out there, we have been having, uh, a few difficulties with the phone and, uh, we have got a couple of calls there, um, coming in. So if you're not getting through immediately, please do, um, try again in a few moments because we would love to hear from you. Good. right. Okay, Stephen, let's My go to the My last plant. Way.
2: Now, this is a plant that I have a great passion for, uh, rarely see it around for sale, and I have a passion for it for specific reasons, so I will mention them. It's a thing called Euonymus fortunii in its variety called radicans, and it's a trailing plant. Um, it will follow contours, so it'll go over the edge of a wall and hang down. Uh, it will grow up a wall. Uh, I've actually got it growing up the side of a messmate gum tree in the garden at home, mm-hmm. and it's finding its way up the gum tree. And I'm hoping there's a comparatively low side branch on the gum. I'm hoping once it leans itself through there, it will then stay there and end up like a skirt hanging it's for out. A semi-climber. So, yeah, semi climber Would
1: it be good for over a stump then?
2: Oh, ideal for mm. something like that. Um, it has dark green narrow leaves with white veins down the centre of it, so the foliage is very pleasant. Uh, it never makes a dense, dense ground cover as such, so it's probably not a weed-suppressing plant, but it's a great plant to grow in the garden bed where you've got um, underplantings of bulbs yeah. because the bulbs can come through it. Yep. It's strong enough to cope with the competition of the bulbs when the bulbs are in flower. When the bulbs die down, the plant's still there. And that's always one of the things that worries me about planting tubers and bulbs and things in yeah. the garden, that they're gorgeous while they're there, but they leave a gap when they're not. And they it's do. always difficult to find a really yep. good companion plant to yep. grow with them. Yep. I mean, I've got cyclamen that come up through this, yep. which right. look fantastic. Mm. Hedropholiums. You know, yeah, hedropholiums yeah. and things like that will come up through it. Rapandum will come up through it. Yeah. Uh, might be a bit big for cyclamen coomb, but you know the bigger growing cyclamen would be fine Mm -hmm. uh you could grow snowflakes through it you could grow daffodils through it you could grow species tulips through it you could grow Mm. almost any other bulb you want very Uh,
4: unusual for euonymus isn't it yeah
2: it is it's completely different to most of the other forms i got it years ago remember the beefy boys yes I yeah well kevin and david had got this from an old garden up in uh, Ballarat somewhere, right. and they didn't have a name for it, yeah. uh, but they knew it was a euonymus. Uh, it took me ages to pin it down um, uh, and find its proper cultivar name or varietal name. Uh, and I just think it's the most useful plant, and it is drought tolerant. Yeah. It is shade tolerant. It will burn in 45 degrees uh, a little bit, yeah. but you won't hurt the plant. Lovely leaf. It's a great leaf, yeah. and, and I just like its relaxed, easy form, and uh. you know, I could see it used in big urns and dripping out with a major plant growing oh above yes. it um, uh, I can see using it in lots and lots of different ways and as I said I've got one growing up the side of a gum tree it never gets watered um, it's in comparative shade so it's right up against the trunk it's right up against the it's trunk a of tough the tree spot, yeah. yeah it is a tough spot and that's where I planted it with the idea that I was hoping it would sort of clamber up the side of the tree yeah. uh, and it's done that to perfection and there's bits of it trailing across the ground and there's a bank sort of near it and it's sort of trailing down the bank as well Mm. Uh, I don't know what the eventual size of this plant could be. I think, you know, if you allow it space and you don't prune it, it could probably cover vast areas of ground eventually. Right. But it also doesn't – it will sometimes root down as it goes, but it doesn't go underground and come up again. Yeah. So it's very manageable. You can cut the edges off it very easily if it goes further than you want. Okay. So Euonymus Fortunii radicans and uh, – I think it's just a great plant. I mean, it's not one of those plants that people pick up in the nursery and go, I'm having that. I've got to convince people of its its value because it doesn't look exceedingly exciting as a young plant in a pot. But in the garden at home, it's looking just so elegant, the way it's sort of trailing around and clambering up and what have you, uh, and so easy to manage. So I think it's a great plant. So there you go. So And it's also on the Facebook page, so it's just got a photo of the leaves so that you can see what it looks like. Uh, uh, I think it's got a great future and it is tough as mm. well most yeah. are. They are, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. very
4: hardy plants.
1: Okay. Um while we're waiting for this other message to come up, Craig, let's do another one it's with
4: got you. got the most un-Viburnum-looking Viburnum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that one, actually, that's another one that has that stuff
2: on its leaves that if you throw it through the shredder, you end up choking. Okay, wood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's got this sort of
4: furriness oh, to the leaves, yep. but it's a fabulous foliage it's plant. Viburnum right at a phylum, which is an evergreen Viburnum and... There's nothing about it that says viburnum, really. Not
2: really. In flower, you can sort of say... You oh, can sort th- of see it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's got these sort of almost bronzy white yeah. flowers. Um, and, uh, but the leaves are what it's all
4: about, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a foliage plant. It's yeah. Beautiful, big, long, pointed leaves. And sort of almost rhinoceros hide. That's right, yeah. Sort of look to it. It's, it's really vague. marked and sil- silver underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful plant. Beautiful now, plant. I've got a
2: question for you. Have you got two cross-pollinating forms? Because I have. Right. If you have two cross-pollinating forms, you don't need boy and girl plants, you just need two cross-pollinators, yeah. you'll get clumps of the most fabulous berries. I'll have to come and visit yeah. Yeah. Well, I grow what I call clone one and clone two. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that I can keep them separated. It took yeah. me years yeah. to get. To get the fruit. Well, to get the right plants to get the fruit. Yeah. Um, And I remember years ago, I bought one from a nursery somewhere in Melbourne. Yeah. uh, And I don't know what its provenance was, where it came from. And then I found one in one of the old gardens on Mount Macedon that must have been there 80 or 100 years. Yeah. And I thought, that's got to be a different clone to this thing I bought yeah. from a nursery in Melbourne. So I propagated from it as well, planted them both together, and voila, they both get this. Yeah. And they're red fruit that goes black with age, and you get okay. that sort of mixture of colours like some of the Verburnums do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing about it is, of course, once you do have a fruiting plant, they will sulk seed a bit. Good. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the way I look at it. Uh, and, of course, if you get seedlings come up, any two seedlings will cross-pollinate right. each other. okay. Because so once, they are individual
4: clones. Once you get them, you're away. Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
2: it's not that hard once you've got the two clones going.
4: The other thing I like about it is that the flower buds have this sort of beautiful rusty brown. Yeah. Which really sits nicely with the foliage. It's a good plant. I've got it in quite dense shade. Mm. Yeah, it's it will. It look, really and well. it's not
2: too worried by dry roots? No, it seems once it's established. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great plant. Oh, the only thing I warn people about with it, though, if they come from a cold area like up our way, yeah. in the winter when the frosts hit, yeah. the leaves hang down like some of the rhododendrons do. Does yeah. it do that for you and your no. garden? Well, it does in mine. Yeah. And so it looks like it needs a really good drink because yeah. all the leaves hang down in the winter. Okay. Um, so it's something to be aware of if you're in a really frosty, cold area. Yeah. Uh, the plant perks up again in the spring. So yeah, not, no doubt. No, not a problem. Yeah.
4: But it can almost grow to a small tree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But it shoots from bare wood, so it's not a problem if you don't want a small tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes,
2: because I've seen one that
4: must be six metres tall. Really? Yeah. Okay. Old, really old. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure
2: it doesn't stop there, potentially. Right. Um, But, yes, it does shoot from old wood because my two stock plants... When I was away overseas at one stage, they were actually growing outside the front of my nursery, behind the general store. Yeah. And the owner of the general store decided to do some cleaning up at yeah. the back. And I came home, and he'd sawn them off at ground level. Right. Um, much to my annoyance, because he hadn't spoken to me about it. because yeah. Not within my boundary, but nonetheless, all my stock plants. Yeah. You know, it's like your things on the nature strip. If the council came in and and brush cut the
4: whole lot, you'd well, not be happy pre- to do that one day. They did They did. They came up, you you need to brush cut and cut your nature strip right down. People are complaining about it. Oh, Um, what, what, Craig? I said to them, yeah, sure, I'll do that tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> that was it. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, well, if anybody from the shire that's up there ridiculous. is listening,
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I mean, it is, it's madness. I think people, are, uh, councils are slowly coming around to the fact that nature strips aren't all about cut grass anymore. Well, so
4: many people are planting them up. I had two customers in yesterday that were planting up their nature strips. Yeah, good, good on, on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. Our council has actually got
2: yeah. a, uh, a white paper out or whatever you call them at the moment about um, nature strips plantings and what you can and can't do yeah. in certain areas within the shire, yeah. um, most of it seems logical enough, although it's more about what you can't do than what you can. They, they're not very positive in this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they should be telling people what they can do yeah. would be a nice idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nature strips, your, you know, I mean, if you're not keeping it clean, the council will very quickly come and tell you to clean it up, That's right. and yet they'll also tell you not to plant things on it when you're doing something nice with yeah. Yeah. yeah, so oh, we've got sidetracked then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All right, next caller. We have uh, Virginia out in Coburg. Good morning, Virginia.
7: Oh, hi. Um, I'm
1: just ringing up to get some advice
7: about um, taking oh, cuttings from cherry trees. I took some cuttings from an abandoned house nearby me. They're two different varieties. I know they have to cross-pollinate. Um, so I took them in beginning of January and I've got them in bags and I um, spritz them twice a day. I've got some instructions from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, the potting mixture they said was half perlite and half sphagnum moss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering now, I think I took three from each tree. I think I've got two from each tree left. Mm-hmm. Um, they've still got leaves on them, though some of the leaves have fallen off. Um, so they're gradually losing their leaves. So I'm wondering about: um, is should the pots actually like I spritz them twice a, a day, so it's kind of wet in their bags? Mm. But is that should their pots be quite damp with that? Well, they should
4: be moist. Yeah, I've uh, more,
7: too I've, wet. You,
2: yeah, you don't no. want them soggy, do you? Yeah,
7: no. that's
4: but the one like thing about doing cuttings is, is when you're doing them, do 20. Mm. Yes, um, yes, always do far yeah. more than you ever going yeah. to need. You always chuck them away. <laughs> but, yes. yeah. I
7: couldn't fit them all in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh,
2: if they're striking, and, and look, the trouble with a lot of these things is you won't know whether they've actually got roots on them until they go into dormancy and take them out of the pots and see. Yeah. Uh, because some things will survive... For months without actually forming roots. Uh, In fact, I've had some cuttings of some bizarre things that have stayed alive. Well, stayed green. I don't know that alive is the way to put it. Uh, With huge calluses on the bottom of them for two years and still not got roots and made a plant. So there's no absolute guarantee, even though they've got their leaves on them, that you've actually got a rooted plant until you see some new shoots come away. And then you might
4: be fairly confident. I've been trying not to use spag. Mm, I think it's too wet. Yeah, the sphagnum moss
2: is a bit of an issue. Uh, The perlite should have probably been enough on its own.
7: Okay. They're not... I had a look at the potting medium um, yesterday, Mm -hmm. and it's like I've got sticks in there to keep the bag up, Mm -hmm. and the sticks are still moist.
2: Yeah. Well, that sounds like it's probably enough moisture there.
7: Okay. Okay. So that's... So, they're not sitting in water either.
4: No, no, no. Well, Overwatering is usually more of an issue yeah, than with is. cuttings and underwatering. Mm.
7: Right. And in the instructions, they said after three months, um, see if they've rooted. Yeah. And if not, keep them in the bags. So, I've, they've already been in there for like. To two
2: months. Yeah well and I just leave it until the winter when yeah. they go dormant and right, then I right tap on. them out and see what's happened yeah. because okay. when they're dormant even if they haven't got roots on them you're not going to do them any harm at that yeah. point point. Uh, and if they have got roots on them well then that's the time to pot them up into proper potting mix and get yeah. them ready to go out into the ground perhaps 12 months hence.
7: Okay so when the, once they're dormant which will be what around now,
2: ab- end of April?
7: End of April. Early so should May. I keep them in the bags and?
2: Until then, I would leave them in the bags.
7: Okay, and then take them out. In the instructions, they said because I think it's from the Northern Hemisphere. The instructions
2: mm, as long like um,
7: as not. They they said keep them, take them out of the bag, keep them outside during the day, and then put them back in the bag at night. Yeah, that
4: sounds but, a bit elaborate. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like too
2: much hard work to me. Once yeah. they've once they've gone dormant. I would just uh check for roots, yeah. if they've got roots, I'd pot them up, and then I'd just grow them on like I would any other pot plant
7: okay and then and just keep them outside
2: oh yeah don't don't yeah. bring them in there's no need to bring them indoors if they've got roots on them and they're dormant they're the
4: weather's not going to cause them any issues at all. You know, I, I wouldn't be in too much of a hurry to take them out. I would have thought late winter.
2: Yeah, yeah, it probably won't hurt. I mean, yeah. if they're going to root, they'll 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 keep rooting as they go along. That's right. Um, so yeah, Craig's right. I, it, there's probably no real need to pot them on immediately. But once they've dropped all their leaves, you probably don't need the bags over them anymore. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay.
7: Okay. Should I try um, like keeping the leaves on as long as possible? Like is
2: that? If you can, but yeah. you know, nature will take its course yeah. no matter what you do in due course.
7: Okay, and and then once they're dormant, should I kind of keep watering them and stuff like that?
2: Well, if they're out in the garden they'll probably almost get enough from winter rains and things, one okay, would Okay, so
7: just put them outside. Yeah, oh yeah, don't not keep not them under cover,
2: don't put them on the veranda, don't do any of those things, put them outside.
7: Okay, yeah. okay, and um, when they say test for roots, like they said kind of Pull them a bit and new
4: roots. (laughs) No, because the the new roots are really fragile. So you give them a little tug, you break them all
2: off. That's what I thought. And then you're back to square one. When they're dormant, you can tap them out and gently uh, crumble away the potting mix or the, the perlite and stuff and find the roots on them then, and then you immediately pop them on into good potting mix.
7: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the
4: reasons I say, one of the reasons I say do twenty is that then you can pull one out and have a look. yeah that's right. The <laughs> yes. trouble is if you pull
2: them out on a re- if, if you're pulling them out to check if they've got roots you nearly always pull out the same one which is always it's, a temptation yeah and, yeah and that one will never get roots yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, sometimes you will actually find roots will start to come out the bottom of the drainage holes that's always a a, a that's better good indicator time, yeah. mm.
7: okay, and I just kind of nicked a little bit on the side to see if they were still green, was mm. that. Is that kind of what you should it's do? It's kind or? of better to
4: leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, tr-
2: yeah, try not to disturb them. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the less you do to them, the more likely they are to root. So, yeah, I wouldn't be doing anything. I mean, if they've got still got leaves on them, then they're green. Yeah, yeah.
7: yeah, yeah. So you
2: don't need to nick the stems or anything. The leaves will tell you whether the, the cutting is still actually viable
7: yeah, or just not. just the one that didn't have leaves. I yeah. That. Okay, so you're... Sorry, just to summarise, just um, don't... Keep the mi- just keep the mixture moist, but not wet. Mm-hmm. And then in um and and in, in winter, like take them out of the bags.
2: Yeah, yeah, just... yeah. yeah, Once the leaves all drop off, take the bag off.
7: Oh, okay, okay. So mm. even if that's like March or something, yeah, that's all
2: right. yeah. By then, um, when when they've got no leaves on, they're not going to be transpiring, so they're yeah. not going to need the humidity crib. Yeah.
7: Okay, okay. Mm. All right. All right. So and
2: hopefully they're struck. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
7: Okay. All right. Thanks very much. That's a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Always fun to do cuttings. You never Isn't can it? be sure what's yeah. going to happen.
4: But you look at a lot of stuff online and they tend to overcomplicate everything. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's enough to put you off actually attempting Yeah, things. that's right. And I think it's just so that they can extend the video for a bit
2: longer. Yeah, yes. Uh. Uh, I don't. Yes, uh, cutting taking cuttings can actually be quite a simple, straightforward process. It doesn't yeah, need to be as complicated right. as that. Yeah. Keeping in mind, of course, that some things don't strike from cuttings, no matter what you do. That's right. So the other day, I had a client. woman
4: coming in, and she wanted you for the uh, mercenites, and yeah. I sold out. And she said, "Can I have a cutting?" And I said, "Well, I'd be happy to give you one, but I won't strike." No. No, it's and got to be then, from seed. Then walking out of the garden, I saw her pull down and pull a piece off. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> so, I thought, well,
2: she needs a good spanking, that yes. one. Yes, people who do that, uh, I get annoyed in the nursery when people help themselves to cuttings. Oh, stuff. yes. It's not fair. I mean, if no, I was going isn't. to give you a cutting, that's fine. And in fact, you offered her a piece, but you warned her it wouldn't strike. Yeah. So. Um, I just think that's in, uh, inappropriate. It's eh? just rude. Yeah. It is rude. I yeah. mean, it's my garden, it's my plants, yeah. uh, if somebody wants them. And they've got to remember, too, we're trying to make a living out of what we do. That's right. Um, and so, you know, you've got to consider it as, well, theft, <laughs> Yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it is. It is. And, you know, people seem to think nicking a cutting is fine. Um, and certainly in some circumstances, taking a cutting off something is fine. But normally, if you see something in somebody else's garden and you want it, it's amazing. If you go and knock on the door and you say, Can I have some cuttings off your XYZ? Yeah. I don't think I've ever been knocked back no, by anybody. Exactly. They're, yeah. they're generally so pleased that they've got something in their when garden you that you want yeah. uh, that they'll bend over backwards to make sure you get yeah. some pieces of it. Mm. Um, and, and certainly be out there and support your nurseryman. Buy some stuff. You don't always have to grow everything. Yep, yep. Yeah.
1: Stephen, firstly, um, uh, Gracilla didn't catch the spelling of the. Oh, Buflurum
2: uh b u p l e u boop blue does that make sense boop yeah yeah m u m that makes sense yeah no U-M. yeah 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 um. um i think that it's got a common name something like rabbits ears or 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 something or another, Um, uh, and there are a number of species, but Buplurum fruticosum is the only one that you sometimes will find. I've got two species at the moment, uh, uh, one from the Canary Islands as well as the Mediterranean one, and they grow right around the Mediterranean basin, basically. You'll find them growing in Morocco. Small shrubs. Yeah, just small shrubs up to about the metre and a half. Um, You go over them when they're finished flowering with the head shears um, Mm -hmm. and tidy them up, and they're a great plant.
1: Excellent.
2: In fact, I'll bring one in one day just to talk about Buplurum. Okay.
1: Okay. Now, we've had a message to say that uh, Susie would like us to mention that Musk Farm near Dalesford is open on the 9th and 10th of March. $10 for a self-guided tour. Um, This is part of the Chill Out Festival. And, again, you can't take cars in. Um, So a shuttle bus is going to be available from the Visitor's Centre on the half hour or um, from the train station at Dalesford.
2: All right. Well, that sounds good. Okay. Yep. Great, great day out.
1: Yep, exactly. And finally, um, Jenny from St Kilda would like to find a fast-growing tree with a wide canopy to screen her mother's windows on a first-floor apartment.
4: I'm always alarmed by fast-growing. Yeah, yeah. Fast-growing means, means that it grows fast, fast forever. Yeah. Pickle- yes, yeah. and it
2: ends up huge or it dies really yeah. young. Yeah. Um, actually, whereabouts was it? St Kilda, did you say? Uh,
1: sorry, yes, St Kilda.
2: Yeah. Actually, a tree that could do the job for her, which I've become more and more confident of as the years have gone by, uh, is a maple uh, called Asa pentaphyllum.
4: I've got pentaphyllum in the tree yeah. at the moment. It's uh, a beautiful plant. It's a
2: great tree. It grows comparatively quickly yeah. uh, it has a lovely light shade that would be perfect to shade yeah. windows and things this foliage is a bit like a bamboo yeah it has that sort of bamboo quality yeah. about it which i find really good yeah. uh, it comes into leaf quite late which sounds yeah. like a silly thing but it's actually quite good because it allows the spring sunlight through yeah. when you don't actually need the shade yeah. and then it starts to shade you from sort of late october early november when the tree comes into leaf mm. it grows to a good size without growing into a vastly big That's tree. That's they're not huge. No, they're not a huge tree. And I've got one in the nursery garden that is oh. just beautiful. It's just the loveliest tree.
4: Yeah. And they like dry. They've...
2: They seem to be... Co- I, I yep. mean, the a lady that helps me in the nursery, Vanessa, she took a plant home a couple of years ago, and she lives up at Elphinstone. Now, that's got to be about as pleurisy plains as you can get. I mean, yeah. it's freezing damn cold in the winter, and the winds mm. blow across the plains. Yeah. In the summer, it's baking hot and hideous. Yeah. Um, and her little ace of is going apace. Going gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. yeah she hardly waters it. Yeah. It's gone through the 45 degrees without any real sign of burn or yeah. damage. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fabulous little tree. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also interesting in that it's apparently quite endangered in the wild. There's not oh, many right. trees of it left in China. Yeah. In fact, I read somewhere that there was less than 200, which surprises me. Um, And it's in its own section within the maple genus. Um, But funnily enough, it will cross. I've got a couple of seedlings that have come up in the garden at the nursery, and I'm convinced that they're a cross between it and Asa capillipes, one of okay. the um, snakebark maples. Yep. Uh, they're only babies at the moment, yep. uh, but it's definitely off my pentaphyllum, and it's definitely not straight pentaphyllum. Yep. And there is a capillipes quite nearby, okay. so I reckon I've got a hybrid, so it'll be interesting to see what that yep. does. Yep. But, yes, Asa Anecapil- uh, Anec- uh, pentaphyllum is... An underutilised, fantastic little tree. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to have any particular downsides that I've been able to find so far, yeah. unless, of course, in the hills where it does tend to self-seed itself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you will get the odd self-sown seedling, but I doubt that would happen in St. I don't Hilda. think so. No.
4: The other thing I was thinking about was the strawberry tree, Arbutus. Yeah, is that fast enough, though? Yeah, I suppose probably not. I, I'm opposed to anything fast-growing. Yeah, I,
2: I am myself, but the Acer is reasonably quick. Yeah, right. it is reasonably quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so mm. yeah, they call it the five-finger maple. Its uh, leaves are divided into five leaflets, and so it has a quite different look to any maple that I know of. Yeah. Um, and it's available around, I mean A yeah. um, little bit weeping. Yeah, yeah, it sort of arches over a little yeah. bit. It's a it's a really pretty tree. I've yeah. got oodles of them. Yeah. I'm assuming you've got some. A few, yeah. yeah up I there. never have lots. But yeah. And I would imagine Peter T said have it in stock. Peter'll Pete have them. Yeah. yeah. And so there's plenty of other people who have Acerpentiphylum. So that's a tree I would be looking for. I think it's just got everything going for it. There we go. Okay. Done. I All hope. right.
1: Okay. Uh next up I think think, and I'm hoping we've got the right line. Uh, Sue, out in Heathmont, are you there, Sue?
6: Yes, good I good. am, and thank you for taking my call. I I have finally got my eucalyptus rodent. I've waited for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a really beautiful plant, but it's not very big and it needed to be repotted. It was in a six-inch pot. Taken up to the next pot, it said it came from sandy soil. So I've just mixed it with potting mix and a lot a lot of scoria, very mm. tiny fines. Mm. Is that okay? Should be.
4: Should be all right. Mm.
6: So, so that's, uh, put fines in the bottom of the pot and fines right throughout the soil.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't have bothered with the fines in the bottom of the pot, personally. Mm. Not that it matters, and you've done it now anyway. Um, but, yes, putting some uh, fine gravel or something like that through a potting mix for something that comes from sort of sandy, well-drained soils is a, a, a perfectly logical thing to do. Yeah.
8: Terrific. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. That's a pleasure.
2: Bye.
6: I, I then, Papa. All right.
1: Um... I think we've actually got time for. Yeah, Craig's got lots of lovely I know, leaves in that. He's got some yeah, brilliant leaves,
4: This is the latest and greatest maple. Uh oh, the latest and greatest maple. Yeah, you know, maple. every year we seem to uh, <laughs> be presented with a new form of palmatum. Oh, yes. Yes, it is a little mind boggling. The, it the is a little mind boggling. Yeah. This one's called Shiraz. Uh, okay. well, um, at least
2: it's a name that you can say. Yeah. I've <laughs> said <laughs> Shiraz a lot, really, over I the years. I think it's
4: actually quite beautiful. Yeah. It is definitely a variation from what we've seen. Yeah, so it's a a variegate. It's a variegate, yeah. 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 So it's got sort of
2: pinky, um, irregular margins around the leaves. Yeah. Um, It's very dissected, so the foliage is quite cut right back in towards the centre.
4: And and a lot of the variegates are very slow. Yeah. And this one seems to put on a bit of growth. So it's it's got a little vigour. Yeah, it's got a little vigour. Okay. uh, What's the form? Is it going to make a small Small tree? tree. Small tree,
5: yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. And it's got quite, although it's a, I guess it's greenish leaf maple.
4: It's got quite a lot of pink showing. There's in there. a lot the new, of The new It's very pink. Yeah, and then as the leaves age, it gets that sort of green and cream and pink. Yeah, okay. Pink. Yeah. So Shiraz. So, yeah. Mm. Well, that's. That's I don't mind it. Yeah. yeah, And look, variegates are one of those things that
2: uh, galvanise people into different camps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, everybody has an opinion, and it's either a negative or a positive one. Yeah. Uh, people don't seem to be very often sort of midway with variegates. Yeah. They yeah. either love them or they hate them. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fond of them because yeah, I think they can give wonderful colour in a garden. That's right. Uh, and, um, yeah, some of the variegated maples I've sort of poo-pooed over the years because they haven't had enough vigour yeah Um, that's right i can remember growing butterfly years ago and some of those things
4: all it does is come into leaf yeah it doesn't seem to
2: move uh which might be fine if you're growing a bonsai i suppose but um if i want a small tree in the garden i do want it to actually grow yeah exactly Uh, so you think this one's? i
4: think shiraz will grow look i haven't put it in the ground yet but certainly in the pot it's it's throwing out you know Decent size. Well, that that bodes well. That does bode well. Yeah. yeah. Look, the the, the hardiness (laughs) of some of these palmatums and dissectums always amazes me.
2: Yeah, people always think of Japanese maples as
4: delicate little princesses. I don't think they are. No, I don't think they are. I mean, I'm
2: surprised how well they do. I mean, they will scorch in hot winds. Yeah. And that's what I generally yep. warn people about. Shelter. yeah, yep. shelter. It's not so much about the sun itself. It's about the wind. It's about that that's hot right. wind blowing through them. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and they're really drought tolerant once yep. they get their roots once down. Once they're established. Yep. yeah. If you yep. get
4: an old plant, they'll survive just about anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I, th- yeah. I
2: think people should rethink maples. I think they've always thought of them as these little Japanese mm. prima donnas. Yep. And they're not. They're, no. they're surprisingly
1: tough. I've got a couple of palmatums in the garden. They're really well established. They they were in the garden before we bought the property. And... um they're stunning, and they're again, fine. occasionally they get a little bit scorched yeah. on the outer leaves, but it's nothing to worry about. Yeah. No.
4: I think people underestimate the time it takes to establish things. When, when we're I would say established, I'd say five to ten years. Oh, yeah, they need to get their roots yeah. While yeah. They can yeah. well yeah. down. I very often have people coming into the nursery and saying, You know, I've planted blah blah blah, and it's not going very well. And I say, Well, how long's it been in the ground? And they'll say, Two years. Well, two years in the life of a tree is nothing. Yeah. It's, it's just true. thinking about settling in. Yeah,
2: well, that's right, it'll hardly have its roots that far. Are outside the no. original root ball yeah. in the first year or two.
4: Yep. Okay. So there
2: we go. Shiraz. Alright. That's Shiraz. a new one on me. I hadn't come across hadn't it.
4: not had Shiraz yet. No. Oh, no doubt it'll turn up. Oh, yes. If some oh, of yeah. my suppliers have live on their list somewhere, yeah. I'm sure. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: Alright. Let's go next to uh,
8: Lois out in Mitcham. Good morning, Lois. Oh, good morning, Pam, Stephen and Craig, isn't it? Isn't yes, it is. is. Yes. Uh, lovely to hear you anyway this morning. Um, I was just ringing up to us. Uh, Stephen. Mm. He mentioned a creeper before. I thought he said monteretia or something like that, but he did say it has a dark leaf, white vein. Oh,
2: euonymus. Yeah. E- yeah.
8: e- Sorry.
2: Oh,
8: All right. Spelt with an e. <laughs> right. Uh, right. In fact, I will write. I, I will. Him.
2: I will, in fact, mention the name, or oh, I'll spell the name out for you, which will help. Uh, it's E U O. E
8: U O. Yep.
2: Yes. N Y M.
8: N-Y-M.
2: U-S. Uonymus. Yeah.
8: Oh, right. And the form
2: yeah. I was talking about is one called radicans. And uh, radicans is a, a trailer or climber. A lot of the other uonymus uh, are not. They're shrubs. So you've got to make sure you get the right form.
8: Yes, I yeah. see.
4: Only yeah. available from Steve. Yeah, I probably. probably. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I mean, I it shouldn't be. I've seen that before,
8: but <laughs> I, just, um, I just wondered, because um, one of our daughters is a creeper type vein that um creeper type plant that has come up in a couple of places in the garden they're just young
6: Mm -hmm. ones
8: and they have a a very dark deep uh, green leaf and they have a white vein through and i was wondering
2: I'd be surprised if it's the same plant because uh, it's so rarely seen around that even if it were to be able to self-seed, I doubt it's going to show up in somebody's garden. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I, I thought
8: that was a long shot, but, mm. but just the description.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. If they've got something they don't know what it is, I'm always nervous of anything that comes up in the garden all of its own accord because yes. uh, nine times out of ten it's something that has potential weediness yes. uh, and sometimes it's a vicious and nasty potential weed, mm. yep. uh, so they certainly need to get it ID'd before they just leave it there. Yes. Um, I
8: wondered whether it had anything to do with, you know, the Virginian creeper. of,
2: Design. Look, it's, uh, without seeing it I, I wouldn't like to make no, any rash right. statements no, uh, right but right. if they're keen to find out what it is I'm very happy for them to bring me samples or they could get in touch with me at the nursery and I'll give them my mobile phone number and they can send an image so that I can at least have a crack at trying to ID it for them and tell them whether it's something they should keep or not.
8: Right. Thank you very much for that and going on to you were speaking just about maples Yeah. Mm. Um, where we live out at Mitchum, we go along towards Blackburn, and some street t- trees have been planted, and they we thought they must might be a maple of some sort, mm. but they have got a large leaf, yeah. more like the size of the palm of your hand.
2: Yeah, it could be one of the a Canadian maples. Very deep maples. burgundy.
8: Very yeah. deep burgundy. Oh no, it's
2: probably the crimson, crimson King, century or Kim, crimson century. One mm. of the Norway maples, probably. Mm.
8: Oh, oh, I'll just write that down again. This is a Norway maple.
2: Norway maple, and there's two forms. There's an old one called Crimson King, which is a round-headed tree, and there's a newer form called Crimson Sentry, which is a much more upright conical tree, uh, and they both have really dark burgundy foliage and, yeah, leaves lovely, at, lovely, at least lovely, the size yeah. of a liquid amber and a bit more. Yeah. Bigger, that's,
8: yeah. that's more, that's, the leaf is very much the shape. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. it I sounds like the that's the
2: Norway maples in yeah. their burgundy forms. Nice plant. Yeah. Lovely um, tree. Yeah.
8: Crim, crimson Crimson uh, King
2: or Crimson Sentry.
8: Sentry, that was the one I, was, mm. I didn't get. Well, thank you both very much for mm. that help. That sounds interesting. It, it does seem to be an upright, more conical yeah, it could oh, be the newer yeah. form Crimson yeah. Century. Unusual yeah. choice
2: for a street trade. Yeah, because it's not really going to make that much shade. Yeah. And I yeah. hope it's no. not under the wires.
8: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, we right, okay. Yeah, because eventually <laughs> it's going to have to be
2: butchered. <laughs> yeah.
8: uh, oh, dear, uh, dear And dear, councils
2: dear. do have a tendency to plant the shrubby thing yeah. on, the, on the safe side and then yeah. the big tree thing under the under wires. The wires yeah. I don't know yeah, how, yeah. how that happens, but it happens so I often. I don't
8: know either, Stephen. Yeah. I must have written a lot of people wouldn't know why either.
2: Yes, it seems to be just one of those things. They send the contractors out and they've got no idea what they're doing mm-hmm. and they always plant on the wrong side.
8: Yes, and then uh, you go back to the, um, um, what's the flowering one at the moment? The, oh, I can't so The
4: crepe myrtles.
8: But, yes, the crepe myrtles. Now, some of those grow terribly tall also yeah well
2: they grow to a fair size although i would never see any crepe myrtle as a massive tree but yeah. they, no, they no, can the certainly get high enough to height. get into the wires yeah.
8: <laughs> no it's are we're,
1: we're running out of time next i'm afraid we'll have side. to leave it there All right. no, okay? lovely thank you bye bye and we do have to leave it there we've run out of time for yet yes, another week yet again. um yeah yep. thank you craig thank you great to see you back I- again yep. in the studio we shall see you for one more time, Stephen. Yes, before, before I go you away, I can't believe
2: away. my Moroccan trip is coming up so fast. It is anyway. very
1: rapidly. Okay, yeah. but of course um, we will be back next week at seven thirty. So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.